What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, hello there. Welcome back as we finish up the month of May. Summertime about to be in and around everywhere. And it's good to be back on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am merely the somewhat competent, somewhat rested host of the show, TJ Reeves. He is the guy, I make no pretense, that I believe most of you are here to hear. And that is John Lewis, a.k.a. Paulson, SportsMediaWatch.com, the purveyor, the owner, the operator. You read him all the time. You hear him on this podcast. John, good to be back with you with lots of subjects to cover. Uh, from the NBA playoffs to what else is new and more announcer news with the NFL, uh, PGA championship in golf. Uh, there's all kinds of different avenues that we're going to travel. So it's good to be back with you to cover a lot of different subjects. Yeah, it's always good to talk about sports media, right? Well, we think so. At least we hope so. And we thank a lot of you that are finding us uh, kind of in tag team right now on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed, but also uh, George Offman doing a great job of promoting us as well with his Tell Me a Story I Don't Know uh, podcast, that series, that interview series. So we're kind of tag teaming it. A lot of new audience discovering us, a lot of new audience discovering him. Again, the easiest way to get the shows and the programming, follow or subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Look for the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Follow or subscribe. It comes automatically to you. John and I are usually out early on uh, in the week to kind of recap the weekend, set the table for the week coming up. Uh, you hear George's podcast debuting on Tuesday. Uh, all of that comes your way automatically with a notification, a light, a vibrate, a ding, whatever you get on your phone or your iPad if you are following or subscribing. We should just make mention in general terms, they want to be following or subscribing, not just for us, 
not just for John's podcast or uh, George's podcast. Tell me a story I don't know. But we've got something else in the offing that's coming soon. And if they are following or subscribing, John Lewis, they get it automatically. We don't have to tell them about it. Social media link, whatever. There's a tease. I'm working hard yeah. at the beginning of the show on a tease. Hey, well, you know, uh, it's uh, what three for the price of one, right? And it's yes. free. It works. Yes. And there's could there could be more down the road, but we believe there will be a third. So it could be like a six man tag. John's not a big wrestling guy. It could be like a six man tag here in this instance with Sports Media Watch. Uh, why, why am I thinking of Anchorman and Will Ferrell against Vince Vaughn and the channel? What was it? The channel four guys. Oh, it's the channel four guys from. Tell me you saw Anchorman. I, I saw that I expression. You see Anchorman. <laughs> yes. When they go to battle the channel yeah. four guys and they've got the trident and the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, I, I have uh, seen Anchorman and even Anchorman 2. Oh, Anchorman 2. Oh. All right. In any event, before we digress any further, we have much to cover. Uh, let's begin. Uh, how about with this? Uh, we, we always seem to begin with um, announcer news, so we'll put that on the back burner for the moment. How about some ratings news as the NBA and NHL playoffs continue to progress heading towards the NBA finals and the Stanley Cup finals? John, what is the latest coming off of uh, the weekend here as they're in the conference finals in the NBA and they're about to be in the conference finals in the Stanley Cup playoffs? What is the latest? How are they doing? Well, you know, uh, the NBA ratings continue to rise over the uh, two terrible years, the two years of uh, displaced schedules. Uh, the reality is, given the teams involved, some of these numbers are not quite as high as one would typically expect out of the Warriors, for example. I've mentioned before the first two games of Warriors Mavericks trailed, you know, previous Warriors conference finals. Uh, I haven't looked at game three yet, but, you know, uh, game three actually uh, topped the comparable game in 2019 that they played against Portland. But that was on a Saturday night, not a Sunday night. Uh, and of course, no out of home. So in reality, the 2019 game probably did have more viewers. Uh, and then you look at the Houston series in 18 was higher uh, for game three. Uh, the Spurs series in 17 was much lower, so I don't even think out of home would would, would boost uh, 17 past this year. Uh, and then the Oklahoma City game was much higher. That was another Sunday night game. And then the uh, Houston game in 15 was lower, again, Saturday night. So some of that is also determined by night of the week. You're going to get better numbers on Sunday than Saturday. Uh, long story short, you know, the Warriors are the biggest draw in the league easily. Uh uh, and uh, so far this postseason, they have played in uh, six of the uh, 10 most watched games uh, in the playoffs. Uh, six of the top 10, the only exceptions being the two game sevens in the second round, Net Celtics game one, and then Heat Celtics game three. We'll see what last night or Monday night's game did uh, on ABC. Uh, hard to imagine that game did well, given how poorly it was played. Uh, but, you know, basically the Warriors are doing great in terms of being a TV draw, are they as big a draw as they were in the Durant era? No. Are they as big a draw as they were in the 73 win year? Definitely not. Cause that was, that was the peak of the Warriors as a draw that 73 win season. Really that was in many ways, the NBA's peak in the post Jordan era. Uh, that was a really strong year top to bottom Kobe's final year, the three, one comeback for the Cavs. Uh, so uh, you're not going to find much that's going to be able to top that. And so much has changed to your point since 2016, including the COVID-19 pandemic, including numerous by the hundreds of thousands, if not by the millions that have cord cut, consume it differently, 
uh, you know, our viewing habits have changed. You've gone over that over and over again, that it's almost not a fair, it is a comparison, but it's not a fair comparison um, as much anymore because again, ESPN's in so many fewer homes. I read something yeah. this week where they're, they're down another 10% um, yeah. in terms of subscribers. Uh, I think I saw in 2010, they had right at 100 million ESPN subscribers through cable and dish. Obviously, now you have much more with online. That number's down now around 72 or 73 million. It's still a large number, but that's 25% of their audience, even in the last decade, that's not there through linear cable. Is linear cable TV the right way to say it right. or, or uh, dish? It's not there. No. Not the same. No. I've always thought, you know, I saw that headline too. It kind of singles out ESPN when, of course, the nature of the bundle is such that every other channel is doing yes. the same stuff. Uh, you know, the reality is that, you know, uh, I'm going to be uh, dropping YouTube TV as soon as the conference finals are over, uh, you know, because there's nothing in terms of sports on cable that I need to see again, really, until October, because all the NFL games are available even if you don't have cable, the Monday night football games are available via uh, the NFL mobile app. So, you know, I mean, cables, there's a reason why people cut the cord. It's not a good deal for most people at this point in terms of being able to watch the kind of programming you want. You know, I was uh, talking uh, in, in my class, uh, asking them about social media usage. I do this from time to time and the TikTok usage is so high. I mean, it's just out of con out of control. You know, right. TikTok's not good for anybody, you know. Uh, so, uh, Apparently, but, for the younger generation, it's good for them, and, and we're not well, in that. I'm not in that. It's well, I, I'm probably not either, really. <laughs> uh, but you know, when you're talking about two, three hours, looking at your phone, right. video after video after video, and because these are such short videos, it's so many videos, so many different ways your brain is being rewired to no longer be able to be able to just sit through, you know, a quiet stretch. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You know, sometimes I kind of feel like a little bit of a, the Bill Clinton line. You know, it's the economy stupid. It's the media stupid, right? right. I mean, so much of uh, the problems that we have can be traced to this excess media consumption. But that's another story for another day or book or something. But uh, obviously, we sit here, we go over it, we give our opinions, we give our takes on some of the different stuff we see. So I understand that. Then again, I'll just share with you before we began to roll a tape here on this latest edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Speaking of TikTok. Uh, I think Tom Brady was on the verge of breaking the internet because he mm. was hitting baseballs this morning in Tampa uh, at the New York Yankees training complex. I recognized where the video was on the TikTok. Their training complex is right by their spring training facility uh, in Tampa, what is known as Steinbrenner Field. Uh, and he was hitting fly balls, trying to hit some home runs with Rob Gronkowski shagging the fly balls in center field, which has everybody peaked about, okay, wait a minute. Is Gronk going to come back and play? Is Gronk going to play for the Buccaneers with Brady? And he put it on TikTok, and the video is – I'm not a TikTok guy, but the video is maybe 25 seconds long. It had been already downloaded 1.1 million times this afternoon or looked at that many just in the time that, uh, that I had seen it. It will probably be up to 5 or 10 million by tonight. Just to your point there uh, on that. Back to the uh, the ratings with the NBA, and then I want to move to the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs uh, as a segue with the ratings and talk a little bit about that. 
they've been affected by blowouts uh, uh, throughout the last round and this round. Now, some of the games have been close. Uh, There was a Miami Celtics game that was close before the blowout that was on Monday night. The, the Warriors had a tremendous comeback down by what 25, I think on Friday night. And that ended up being a close game, but numerous of these games have been 10 points or more or 20 points or more to your point. The Monday night game Celtics heat was a 30 point game in the first half and a 30 point game, really the entire way. And it's, it's got to affect the ratings when that happens, obviously. Absolutely. I, I don't expect last night's game to do particularly well, even with the ABC exposure. You know, the game has changed, right? People have said before, when you are still relying on the three-point shot, you're going to get this kind of, sometimes you're not going to hit. If you are a team that can only succeed offensively through the three-point shot and they're not going in, you're going to be worse to watch than, you know, the Spurs and Pistons of old, right? And, you know, that was something I was thinking about at the weekend watching these games. Like, how in the world is this version of the NBA offense not worse than in the days, or at least as bad as in the days of, you know, 69-65 Pacers-Pistons, right? (laughs) I mean, that was the final score in game six of the conference finals. The Pistons won 69-65. The margin of victory was a Ron Artest flagrant foul. That was the margin of victory. Uh, You know, ultimately, that was not a great time for NBA offense. But as I sit down watching the Mavericks brick, you know, 27 straight threes, or I guess that was some Rockets, right? Right. So many different examples of this. Right. Right. You know, I mean it's ugly basketball. It's not fun to watch. And I think that's one of the main reasons why the ratings have been certainly way better than the past few years and more normal than we've seen. Although really I'm talking about the viewership more than the rating, but even the ratings have been at least normal, uh, you know, but they haven't been what you would expect for golden state versus Luca or Boston. Uh, granted Miami is not really that big of a draw without D Wade and LeBron, but you know, you, these are matchups that should be doing a little bit better, you would think, than, than they have been. I would agree. Uh, uh, and, and really, the, the basketball of the 90s uh, wasn't so much um, bad offense as it was the rules allowing defense to mug and maul and not play, and the game had to be changed. Had to be changed from that because it should be a much more free-flowing game. It should be officiated that way. It's a game of movement. Listen to me sounding like a purist and a get-off-my-lawn guy from the NBA of the, of the 60s, 70s, 80s, et cetera. It should be more free-flowing, free should yeah. be more offensive-minded. What you're saying, though, is a common criticism, which is the game should be more than just who's spotting up around the perimeter with their hand yeah. on pass it to me and bomb. And then if the bombs aren't yeah. going in, we get an awful game. Yeah, and, you know, people blame the Warriors, understandably, because the Warriors ushered in the three-point era, but, you know, the Warriors have never played that way. If they had played that way, they wouldn't have any championships because you can't win just jacking up threes, and their game is so much more diverse than that. They've won a lot of these games lately because of their rebounding advantage. That has nothing to do with three-point shots. Uh, And, uh, you know, when, when all is said and done, you know, there was a lot of ugly offense back in the NBA in those days, and you know, I remember uh, game two, of the conference finals, Heat and Bulls, 75-68. Jordan was in that game. Jordan and Pippen, but people people were fine with it, of course. And then when Jordan and Pippen were gone, they were talking about it being the worst basketball ever, but whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, I, to me, I don't see a big difference in enjoyment between watching Miss a, a Thousand Threes 
and, you know, Pacers, Pistons, Spurs, Nets, all those offensively challenged series of the past. Uh, how about Pistons, Celtics, 66, 64, and uh, Jerry Stackhouse hit the what seemed like a game-winning shot at the buzzer to make it 67-66, but it was just a fraction too late. One of the only shots they made in that whole game, that was the 0-2 playoffs game three. I, I should share with the audience that John is not referring to notes here. I often compliment you on this. You're, you're rattling this stuff up off the top of your head about these games, and I didn't remember how many of these that ended in the 60s. Yeah. An NBA, not an NBA playoff game in the decade of the 60s, but an yeah. NBA playoff game where neither team can get to 70 points, that's uh, that's that's a difficult watch. I don't care what the circumstance is. And again, rules, fouls, rough play, that was as big a contributor to uh, how the game was was being allowed to be played and not officiated uh, back in that day that's, uh, that's changed up. Can we segue to the hockey playoffs? Yeah. And again, we, we see the Stanley Cup playoffs narrowing down. Shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I do this show from the Tampa St. Pete Clearwater area. They are going for rarefied air right now on a three-peat. The last three-peat, I'll put this out there, is the Lakers of the early yeah. 2000s, 2000, 2001, 2002, with Shaq and the late Kobe. The Lightning have now made the conference finals. So they swept out the in-state rival, the Florida Panthers, at the time that we are uh, kicking this podcast out to the public here. The New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes are still battling. The NHL is not going to make an announcement, John, as you know, that they want New York. They want New York if they can get New York and keep the Northeast interested. They've got two Canadian teams playing each other. So a Canadian team is guaranteed to be in the West final between Calgary and Edmonton and Colorado. One of the premier franchises of the last 25 years out West is in command right now against the St. Louis blues out west all right so how have the hockey ratings continued to progress with espn and turner sharing it john what do we know as we get to the late stages of the stanley cup playoffs well you know the nhl continues to benefit from the tv deal uh, over two million viewers for rangers hurricanes the other day uh, just a very strong performance and i will say the sunday numbers were not as good uh under uh, under a million viewers for florida tampa bay game three sunday afternoon uh, and the Calgary Edmonton game on ESPN two, uh, but uh, the uh, the Rangers game did get 1.3 million, but that's way below where the previous two games had drawn. So the Sunday games, the matinees, uh, were not particularly strong performers. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. But for the most part, they've been doing quite well, and you know it'll be very interesting coming up. Uh, TNT it will probably be done for the NBA season tonight, maybe Thursday. So there's a possibility that uh, as soon as Thursday, the NHL will have that day to itself with a Rangers game uh, on ESPN. Now, the crossover between the NBA and NHL audience is not particularly strong. I don't think that these NHL numbers have been depressed by the NBA competition or vice versa. But, you know, anytime that you know, if there's no NBA games on and you're just a general sports fan who prioritizes the NBA, you're going to tune into a hockey. Of course. What else are you going to tune into, right? So, you know, uh, they could get some pretty good numbers for that game five, I think, uh, coming up Thursday on ESPN. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, it, the NBA finals starts is scheduled to start a week from Thursday. The NBA Finals, you know, there's 14 off days between each game, right? There's so much opportunity. <laughs> Maybe not 14, NBA. but I get your point. It does seem to take yeah. forever. I keep I keep holding out. Are we going to have a July 4th Game 7 in the NBA before it's all said and done? Uh, Might the they NBA push it that way? 
I mean, the NBA is never going back to July or I understand. I'm just being yeah. facetious that they did. Right. They did have it during the pandemic year. But I mean, the way they prolong June now, yeah. when you consider in the 80s, it was almost always done around this upcoming weekend, Memorial Day yeah. weekend. It was almost always yeah. done by the first couple of days of June. And now it goes into the second late second week of June before the NBA finals are done. Yeah. You know, uh, I think, you know, ultimately, that's just the way it's going to be right now. The NBA kind of now, especially after the past few years, is going to be very, let's say uh, that whole idea. If you remember right before COVID hit, uh, I think it was Stan Caston of the Hawks had put out this proposal, start the season on Christmas, ended in August. No one's ever going to trifle with that again. After these, uh, after those two years, you'll never see an NBA game pass the month of June again, unless some other weird stuff happens. Which, you know, hopefully not. Yes, but, let's hope not. Uh, yeah. I still remember I was in Las Vegas with my wife and my twins on vacation. It was their birthday the week before, and we were watching the Western Conference and Eastern Conference finals here and there, just, you know, in passing on those nights. And it was weird to see that it was approaching July 4th, and we weren't to the NBA finals yet just because of the prolonged uh, season. Hey, real quick, back to the hockey. Again, for the audience here, I was at game three, John knows this, of the Stanley Cup playoff series, the Lightning win over the Panthers. Uh, it's exciting in and around here. Uh, Kenny Albert, by the way, and Eddie Olchick on the call for Turner of that Lightning Panthers series. And they will also work a conference final series uh, as well uh, coming up here. I still thoroughly enjoy Olchick as one of the top analysts, I think, that's out there. Any sport. Always learn something from him. He's always right on it with the analysis and with the telestrator and the, and the technology they have, can you just weigh in here uh, for a second on those guys calling it? Because again, this will be the first time that Turner uh, ventures into a conference final, not the Stanley cup final ESPN has right. that, but uh, John, a quick opinion. Well, it's uh, more comfortable listening to the same voices you've heard all these years. Uh, they worked for NBC for so long and look, you know, uh, Pierre McGuire is someone a lot of people did not like. Mike Milbury, same deal. They were often in, in and out of the top team, you know. So just going with Albert Olchick and Keith Jones, I mean, I know Keith you know, irritated some people the other day because he was upset about uh, a play and I guess kind of harped on it for a while. There was like a weird, like kind of dirty play in one of those games. I don't know if you saw so that. So was, that was the game that we were at where a lightning player hit a Panther player from behind. I heard none of his commentary. So he was going on and on apparently. And he, he was working, he has been working in the glass as the third person down by the benches. And he's a former player. He's a former Stanley Cup winner, speaking of the Avalanche with the Avalanche. And Olchick's a former player, obviously, that, that uh, I don't know that Olchek won the cup. Maybe he did. I got to check in his bio, but he certainly played in playoff games. So when they speak, you're going to listen. But if he All was right. going on and on about the play, it was potentially a dangerous game misconduct in the hockey world right. or ejection type play that he was going on and on about. But I like that. I like opinions. I've shared that with you before. I like rather than having no opinion, right? Yeah. And being neutral. Like Breeze, right? Uh, I think ultimately <laughs> – you know, uh, there you know, people on Twitter will complain about anything. You should search Hubie Brown's name on Twitter when he's doing a game. Hubie Brown's 88 years old, and all these people are saying all these things about him. It's just unbelievable. But he was getting criticized, Keith Jones, uh, for, for kind of uh, being a bit on and on about that. But, you know, the reality is Eddie Olchick has done every Stanley Cup final for, you know, 15 straight seasons. Uh, and uh, that's pretty amazing considering he came in right after retirement replace someone who had been there for a while in uh, John Davidson and just has never relinquished the role. Uh, and 
it's gonna, you know, it's a hard thing for ESPN to live up to. Turner kind of has them beat on the NHL, even though Turner's never aired an NHL game before, because Turner took all of the best of NBC and did not take all the stuff people hated about NBC and added to it that unique little talent that Turner has for putting on a great studio show. And so Turner has a lead on ESPN already when it comes to the quality of their NHL production. That's not, you know, casting aspersions against Steve Levy, Kevin Weeks, and Ryan Callahan, or whoever they've got in the studio at any given time, because it's not a set cast. Uh, but, you know, when you're trying to compete with what Turner can do in the studio, what Turner can do in the studio is something that ESPN has never been able to, to come close to. Uh, maybe you give them game day, but game day is such a different animal altogether. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, you know, you're talking about Sean McDonough on the play-by-play. There was a character in uh, the animated sitcom Home Movies. You ever seen Home Movies before? Can't say that I have. No, but we're going to tie this to Sean McDonough. Go ahead. What are yes, we it, this, there's a character on, uh, on Home Movies uh, called Mr. Lynch. He is a, a teacher at the school. And he speaks, he's voiced by Ron Lynch, uh, who okay. uh, I, I don't know if he's really famous or anything. He's just, a, he's a voice actor. I know a lot of voice actor names. I could reel off a few, but most okay. people don't know who voice right. actors are. We'll take your word but anyway, uh, the long story short, this character speaks in a, in a constant monotone. And it, you know, it's a bit difficult sometimes. Monotone can be hard to deal with on hockey you know Mm -hmm. and mcdonough does hit the high notes he gets excited he does on the big calls he's he's a great announcer but i feel like i don't feel like people are going to be receiving mcdonough well now here is my thought espn does not have the cup final next year so it's kind of like a you know not a priority year let mcdonough do a second year and then when you get the cup final back in two years, you go with Steve Levy, who probably should have gotten the job from the beginning, but because he was on Monday Night Football, he wasn't able to get it. So you give McDonough this next year when they, they end in the third round. And then when they get the cup again in 24, that's when Levy takes the role. And if you want to give McDonough, I mean, you know, it's interesting. ESPN will throw people to the wolves at times mm-hmm. and does not care. And then sometimes you're like, well, let me make sure I give you this nice marquee role because we took you off of this <laughs> other thing. Like, it's so interesting. Like right. Tessator right. and McDonough just got to go right back to their, you know, uh, plum gigs sure. uh, on college football. To me, if it's if it comes down to like feeling like you owe McDonough something for taking him off of the NHL gig, I mean, I don't really know what they could give him realistically. Just, I mean, I, I was going to say swap out, uh, uh, take Levy off of the Monday night B team and give that to McDonough, but I don't think they want McDonough back on Monday night at all. Um, I don't know. Whatever it takes to make the right decision, though, I think is what they should try to do. And, and Steve and, Levy, we've talked about this before, came in as a hockey guy along with doing Sports Center. It is, it is like in his fabric. It's in his DNA to call <laughs> the games, and he's done a lot of Stanley Cup games previously for ESPN. McDonough now is with Ray Ferraro, uh, working it. Uh, I enjoy Bob was Shusen, by the way, yeah. and and Brian Boucher, who I think, again, is also very underrated as an analyst uh, calling the games uh, as well here at, at the conference semifinal level. 
very insightful guys that are enthusiastic. Uh, I was thinking when you were saying Mr. Lynch is the teacher, I think a lot of the older uh, generation that maybe listens to us can identify with the teacher in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the Matthew Broderick movie that was just on cable again the other night. And uh, that's Ben Stein, right, as the teacher with the uh, fry, fry. He's calling for Cameron Fry on the attendance, fry. (laughs) So maybe it's that monotone uh, teacher, but... uh, Never seen that one. You you got to see Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Come on, save Ferris. I've already seen the multiple uh, Seth MacFarlane recreations of the final scene where he's racing through the neighborhood yes. on his bike. And of I've course they did a commercial a few years ago on that too, where he's, race, where he's racing yeah. through. What you gotta, you gotta see, come on, you gotta see Ferris uh, Bueller's Day Off. I'm, I'm not a Matthew Broderick guy. Including uh, Alan Ruck in the, speaking of hockey, in the Gordie Howe jersey for a lot of the movie, wearing the Gordie Howe jersey yeah. uh, as part of Ferris Bueller's uh, Day Off. But in any event, I enjoy the enthusiasm of the hockey. You get much more competitive. It seems like one goal yeah. games, overtime games. So that is uh, that's all building, and we're fascinated to watch how all of this is going to unfold with the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Stanley Cup final that will be coming here in the next couple of weeks. And one other thing that we should also mention, too, is that Kenny Albert will be part of next week's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know with George Offman talking about his broadcasting career and and filling in some great factoids, talking about doing the Stanley Cup with Eddie Olchick, as we've been mentioning, but also uh, doing the NFL and Major League Baseball as well for Fox. So, John, I know you joined me. George has got a great podcast. They need to check it out here on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed, and they'll hear Kenny Albert's uh, story coming up about how he got into the business the son of marv albert etc looking forward to that for sure yeah you know uh kenny's one of the uh one of the greats certainly and uh you know has really carved out a career for himself where he has his own career his own image separate from marv and uh certainly is someone who uh We'll get to do a few more Stanley Cup finals in the coming years for Turner. Yes, he will. And and uh, and really, it's it's been interesting. He's been hockey on the radio, which his father did for the longest time. He's been hockey on the radio for going on like 25 plus years. The hockey on TV came with the NBC coverage. Now into the Turner coverage. Hear that whole story. Again, George's podcast on this feed is Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Search the library here. You'll hear the two-parter with Tom Brenneman. We'll have a little more on that. Uh, in a little bit. Uh, the the Tom Brenneman two-parter is there, but go back into the archives and hear the likes of Michael Wilbon, Kevin Harlan, Bob Costas, uh, on and on down the list. Mike Greenberg of ESPN, they're all part of George's library and archive uh, on this, and many more in the future that are upcoming uh, of interest, including the Washington Commanders NFL coach Ron Rivera, yeah. um, a name that a lot of people will recognize, John, as well, Wayne Larravee, who did a bunch of work on WGN with the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago Bulls, and now is the voice of the Green Bay Packers on the radio. You'll hear all these upcoming if you're part of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed and hear George's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know uh, with that. Okay, so speaking of announcers that do the NFL, we we can't seem to do a podcast without where's your scorecard, where are the announcers, where are the analysts going. We've learned a couple of things. One, Greg Olson officially elevated by Fox to the number one team with Kevin Burkhart. Will Tom Brady be joining them as soon as this postseason if the Buccaneers are not alive and for the Super Bowl to be determined? Uh, also, Dan Orlovsky was given a, a, uh, a promotion essentially onto a game broadcast for ESPN. So, George, fill in the, or I'm sorry, John, fill in the gaps uh, there on both of those. Let me do that again. 
So, John, fill in the gaps for both of those, please, on the Olsen promotion and also the Orlovsky now joining a, a Monday night second team crew. Well, you know, Fox needed to have someone in that uh, lead analyst spot. You never know. Brady is coming after his retirement. Well, Brady hasn't retired yet. You know, uh, certainly you never know. Maybe he plays two or three more years. Maybe he plays till he's 50. It all seems impossible, but it's already pretty impossible what he's already done. So you have to have uh, someone in there. And just in case Brady isn't very good, you want to have a third person in there just in case, too. So, uh, you know, that was inevitable. They needed to do that. Uh, as far as Orlovsky, you know, there's no safer position in Bristol than if you are affiliated in any way with Get Up. Uh, it really seems like there's a just like that. That's your that's your ticket. If you're affiliated with Get Up, uh, you will uh, get every role you ever could possibly dream of. And so, you know, do I think Orlovsky, you know, well, one, do I think they need a three person booth for this? Probably not. You know, I mean, you could probably just do Levy and Riddick. I'm quite sure Lou Riddick would be very happy to be in that mm -hmm. role by himself. Um, I don't know. Orlovsky, I've heard him on college football. He's, uh, you know, he's solid. Uh, you know, I mean, do I feel like Monday Night Football is, you know, the next step for him logically? No, even though it's just the B team. Uh, I don't know. I mean, again, if you're on, if you're on get up, they, they love you. And uh, well, to your got. to your point, uh, that was Mike Greenberg's path with that. He and Mike Golick originally yeah. as Mike and Mike got to do Monday night football in the broadcast booth because of because of that morning show and how that went that way. And uh, again, uh, I know Dan Orlovsky a little bit. He played briefly with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a couple of years. Also, obviously played with the Detroit Lions, uh, among others, a couple of other teams that he knocked around and Dan has always aspired to be a broadcaster and obviously works hard at it. I'm with you. I'm, I might would have wanted to hear a two man booth with Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick doing the analysis, well, but they are, they, they do throw the bouquets the certain ways to certain people on getting the opportunity. Sure yeah. They sure do. You want to make sure you're working out of the, uh, out of that uh, seaport studio in New York and not out of the studios <laughs> in LA. That's for sure. Um, but uh, look, the reality is, uh, you know, Riddick is uh, is I, I think Lou Riddick is a substantially better analyst than 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 Orlovsky. So if you know, at a certain point, if you're Lou Riddick, you you finally get the job you've been politicking for for years. You lose it after two years. Now you don't even get to have you know the the, the B team to yourself. You no, know, I don't know. Maybe uh, I don't know what his, maybe he'll be a free agent soon. I don't know. I mean, to me, I mean, based on what I read, what I read, Lou Riddick say. He seems to be a pretty prideful guy who thinks very highly of his skills. And I don't know. It feels like ESPN might not be the place. Maybe not. And might he end up in an NFL front office? He has interviewed repeatedly. He has a background, not only as a player, but in scouting and in personnel is really good on the draft and, and the analysis of the draft and the free agency. Might he end up in an NFL front office instead? We'll see. Yeah. I don't I think he's deserving of an opportunity if he wants the opportunity. He's as qualified. Let's put it this way. He's as qualified as some other counterparts of his that are white. That mm. I'm just saying that have gotten an opportunity to leave the booth and go into yeah. the into the front office. Matt Millen being an example. Same franchise. Chris Spielman being another example yeah. to leave the booth and go do it. Why, why would Lewis yeah. Riddick, Lou Riddick, not get a chance to go do that? Just putting it out there. 
No, that's a great point. It's a great point. We, we are talking about the NFL after all, you know, and yeah. the reality is that uh, they're still, I mean, they're not quite in the Al Campanis zone over there, but you know, they, they have a difficult time, you know, diversifying in those front offices. There's, there's so few black general managers. It's ridiculous. The NBA has had dozens of them and the NFL. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's part of it. I mean, Riddick would be, and he's interviewed some, he would be right. a great candidate. Uh, to be a GM. We'll see if it works out for him. By, uh, by the way, one more NFL note and a very interesting one that on Tuesday afternoon, NBC announced, hey, Al Michaels, uh, welcome back. You're going to have a role still with us and an emeritus role, right? John, give me a little more on this. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Andrew Marchand did consistently uh, reported throughout the whole process that if Michaels was at Amazon, he would still do some work for NBC. And this would seem to be that. Uh, so he, uh, this is the release. Michaels will continue to broadcast and contribute across NBC Sports high-profile properties, including the NFL playoffs and the Olympics. You know, it says including, but no doubt, only the NFL playoffs and the Olympics. What else is Al going to be doing? <laughs> is he going to drop by the Preakness Stakes? I was going to say, is he going to is he going to go hang at the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness? Preakness, probably not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, you know, the, uh, whenever NBC has two playoff games in one weekend, I imagine now Michaels will do one of those. Now, I don't know what NBC schedule looks like in the playoffs because the last couple of years have fallen under this uh, this contract that NBC and CBS signed right at the start of COVID cancellations. A lot of people really weren't paying attention when this happened. This is where CBS got that extra wildcard game and the ability to air NFC games. When the NFL expanded its playoffs, it had two extra wildcard games and NBC and CBS won both. Uh, well, one each. But I don't know what the status of that is going into this season. So I don't know that NBC, well, Fox is going to have two wildcard games. So we know it's going to be different. Fox has already said we have two wildcard games this year. So I don't know if that's Fox taking one from CBS or one from NBC. Now, we know CBS is not doing the Nickelodeon simulcast on the playoffs this year because they're doing it on the Christmas game. So that indicates to me maybe CBS is the one that's taking the, uh, the haircut here on its schedule. As it occurs to me, NBC probably would have already said whether it was airing two uh, two wild card games. You, ha you have to believe games. they're doing at least two, and it, they had three, I believe, a year ago in the Super Bowl year. And you're right, that extra added wild card game is where it's probably coming in. That Al Michaels yeah. will do at least one playoff. Yeah, they're game doing two wild card games, and, they and are. Collinsworth will do the other one. Yeah, exactly. So they will do two wild card games again, uh, and so Michaels will get that. Probably not with Kirk Herbstreet, so I have no idea who he's going to work with on that game. Uh, you know, Could it be uh, Rodney Harrison, who they've used in the studio? Could it be Tony Dungy, who they've also used on games? They've used Rodney Harrison and Tony Dungy together as a three-man you know move? What? Maybe. I don't know. Collinsworth is a healthy, strapping guy, right? You know, he's in the prime of his of his life. Just have him do both. Ooh. You know, have him do the Saturday All one right. so we can reunite with Al. <laughs> and then fly him out on the red eye to do the Sunday one with Rico. <laughs> okay. Well, you're just making requests on the bingo card uh, here with that. We continue for a few more minutes here. It's the sportsmediawatch.com podcast as we rock along. Uh, the PGA Championship, the latest golf major, took place this weekend on CBS. We knew uh, that it more than likely was going to take a ratings hit unless Tiger Woods made a run into the tournament. We spoke yeah. last week on the podcast 
I believe you would make the cut and not contend. It was obvious he was laboring on the surgically reconstructed ankle, not playing well, ended up withdrawing on Saturday. So no Tiger, no defending champion Phil Mickelson, who had the fantastic storyline out of nowhere last year to win the tournament at 50 years of age. So neither one of them were there. Justin Thomas ends up winning in a playoff, uh, a three-hole aggregate playoff that bled uh, all the way up to the 7 o'clock Eastern time hour and into the 7 o'clock Eastern time hour on Sunday. John, what are your thoughts real quick? And we got a couple of nuggets off of the uh, off the PGA championship coverage. Go ahead. Well, you know, uh, the ratings are what ratings are, right? And when you don't have a storyline and all you have is some relative unknowns, Pereira was not very well known, Sal Torres, kind of yep. well known, but not a star, you know, uh, and the, the big stars really weren't there as usual. You know, um, if you can't have Tiger, that's okay. Then you can have Phil. Well, Phil's not there. So, well, Jordan Spieth, but Spieth doesn't do well. Okay. Then McElroy, but McElroy is not there. So, you know, I mean, it's not a surprise that the ratings were on the middling side. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I think I can't How imagine. How much was it yes. down from the Phil heroic win? 20%, 30%. Yeah, 20%. So that's actually a pretty modest decline, you know, uh, down 20% in ratings and 21% in viewership. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, again, you know, uh, I will say the out of home impact is clear because it was actually the lowest rated final round since 08. But with the out of home uh, in, in, in viewership, which includes out of home data, it was actually the third most watched in the past six years. So right in the middle of the road. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's why people love that out of home. Yeah, and it's 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 enhanced the numbers, and you keep doing a great job of telling us that hey, you're not comparing apples to apples. When four years ago and five years ago, you didn't know how many people were watching on their phone or watching at a sports right. bar or wherever else uh, that they were watching. And by the way, very good on the golf names. Let me score you five bonus points on the Sports Media Watch podcast. I didn't have to prompt you uh, with the golf names. To your point, there was a great graphic that they put up on CBS, who does a, a real quality job with the golf coverage and with Jim Nance and Nick Faldo, Sir Nick Faldo in the booth, as it always is. Hello, friends. Uh, but in any event, they put the graphic up, career wins down the right-hand column next to the score, next to the scores of the golfers. And it was interesting because uh, Mitro Pereira, zero PGA Tour wins. Will Zalatoris, zero PGA Tour wins contending. Matthew Fitzpatrick from England, zero PGA Tour wins. And then Justin Thomas, 14 PGA Tour wins when they put that. It was stark. It was yeah. striking. And he's the guy that ends up winning in the playoff when uh, when Pereira fell apart, made double bogey on the final hole, didn't even get in the playoff. He was leading the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I, can I just say one thing here? I'm not going to do it on love it or leave it. Can't, I did not love it. If we're going to have the graphic up the entire time that has the leaderboard, which they've now done, Fox began doing this on the U S open coverage. They obviously have brought that, that score bug from their NFL days and all their coverage. So if we've got the graphic up the entire time on CBS or wherever we're televising golf now showing the scores, when we went to the three-hole playoff, they didn't leave it up the entire time. It was only mm -hmm. every so often that they either audibly told you Justin Thomas is winning by a shot or they, they visually told you every once in a while. Just a little complaint from me on the coverage of the golf that I, I was – I was like, what, what is the status? Is he up by right. one? Is it tied? We're so ingrained, aren't we? What is the score? I need to know the score immediately with that score bug, right, John? Yeah, you know, uh, certainly 
that's kind of the way it's always going to be now. That information that seems so superfluous when you first see it becomes necessary. If you see a game now without the records in the score bug, it's a bit of a problem. You want that instant, that instant information, even though, of course, we've all got cell phones and check, check ourselves. Right. But, you know, you want the instant information on, on screen. And, and by the way, we now get so spoiled, we want to know uh, what's the pitch count of the pitcher. We want to know, is this game four or game five? And what's the series standing right now in the NBA and the Stanley? I mean, there's so much there that's on the screen constantly that we can just look yeah. up and see. It does spoil us in some way. On a serious note, we did talk about Sage Steele recently on this podcast, ESPN uh, Female Sports Center anchor, her well-publicized uh, spat right now with ESPN, her lawsuit with them over diminished uh, roles. She feels she's being singled out for comments she made um, uh, on a on a podcast outside of ESPN about the the political climate at ESPN. It turns out that Sage was working the PGA Championship uh, for Sports Center uh, in the morning coverage on both Thursday and Friday. And on Friday, she was actually a spectator on one of the holes in the area with some media. Uh, near the rope line, it's called the rope line in golf, where the gallery will stand, etc. And John Rahm, multi-time winner on the PGA Tour, hit an errant drive. And this happens, John. I've worked PGA Tour radio. This happens at every tournament almost where somebody gets hit, usually, hopefully not, but usually hit in the head with a golf ball, with a drive, with an errant shot, because there's just so many people around. She was hit in the face, unfortunately, by this drive. It was a it was a bad scene. Uh, I did talk to someone uh, that I am acquainted with in the golf media that I will just say that was relaying that this person did not know at the time who it was. Found out later that it was Sage Steele. Sage was taken uh, for medical attention and then taken to a local Tulsa hospital to be evaluated to make sure she was all right. And so we now wait and see uh, what's going to happen here. John, what are your what are your thoughts? Because this was a story briefly here, and I've got another thought on this, but what are your thoughts? Well, you know, obviously, best wishes to stage. It's a terrible type of thing that happens. Happens pretty often. You know, Kelsey Wingard of the Braves just had a, got hit by a foul ball. Or actually, the Rockies got hit by a foul ball after having been hit by a foul ball previously while working for the Braves. We remember Pam Oliver taking the football to the face, and it was this visual that kind of went viral, and people thought it was humorous. But Pam had a concussion out of that, mm-hmm. and you know, was really badly affected by it. And of course, uh, the late Stuart Scott, you know. Uh, you know, I think one of the things uh, that I look back on and, and, and really wonder why people are the way they are was people used to make a lot of fun. And I say fun, but it's not really fun, right? Uh, they used to make a lot of mockery uh, about Stuart's eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, those were two situations where his eyes had been damaged by being hit in the, while playing. But this actually, this, uh, the other eye that got hit was in the course of doing a story for Sports Center uh, at Jets camp. He got hit by a ball, uh, you know, thrown by Vinny Testaverde. He had to have surgeries and all of these various things. You know, uh, it's a, it's an unfortunate reality that we sometimes just don't. You know, members of the media are just there. They don't have any protection on. They're not wearing mm-hmm. helmets. You know, um, you know, we're not going to dress them up like war reporters. <laughs> By the way, you're talking to somebody on this podcast that does it every week in the NFL, and I'm not standing down there with shoulder pads or a helmet on. And when they come to the sideline, you know, in particular, you got to watch out on punt coverage 
where those gunners that are on the outside are blocking and they will block out of bounds and block the person towards out of bounds and they're still scrapping, they might come and run you over. If you're not paying attention, if you're watching the ball being punted, et cetera, you got to be careful down there. And you're right. The ball, the ball can fly over and hit you. Errant kick, errant person, overthrown ball. I've had occasions where I've made the catch John Lewis on an overthrown ball in a live game. And I've had other occasions where I didn't make the catch, but you do have to be careful. And I will further say golfers feel awful, even on the PGA tour, when they find out something like this, I did not see the follow-up about how much John Rom knew about hitting a spectator. Forget about it being a famous media member spectator uh, that he hit, but generally they feel awful. They come over, they tend to whoever it is, make sure they're okay. Oftentimes autograph a glove, autograph a ball. They'll check up on them later at the hospital and it will uh, obviously it will affect some guys from there on that you've hit somebody later on in the round, the human aspect of it. So I don't, yeah. I don't, I just don't know that part of it with, uh, with Rom and from the PGA on Friday and the, and the coverage. Yeah. yeah. You know, I also just wanted to say, you know, we all know Sage is a controversial figure in, in, in a lot, in a lot of ways, uh, but you know, one of the things I've uh, come to loathe in my many travels over the years on the internet is the increasing nastiness of our discourse such that people are taking pleasure in other people's pain, right? Uh, the idea that karma is being badly injured is not something I really believe in. Uh, and uh, I'll be 100% honest, I don't know how much of this there was in reaction to Sage's injury mm -hmm. because I instinctively knew to just avoid all the social media about it. Um, but I, there was some, I saw some, but I, I, I applaud you for staying away from it. But I have seen, you know, when Brittany Griner got holed up in Russia, I saw, cons you know, conservative people kind of making, Hey, Oh, well, she didn't want to stand up for the anthem. So there you go. And it's like, what's wrong with you? You know, on a slightly more trivial point or, you know, uh, obviously much more trivial. Well, you know, maybe not trivial to him, but when Jonathan Isaac tore, tore up his knee, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's certainly not as bad as being holed up in Russia, but that's still pretty bad uh, for a basketball player. And generally the surgeries, it's an unpleasant thing. And people were kind of thinking, ah, that's what you get for not kneeling during the anthem. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what is wrong with you people uh, across the political spectrum? who believe that because someone offends your sensibilities and offends your ideas of what's right, that somehow you, you, you attain the moral high ground by luxuriating in the calamities that they face. You know, uh, Alec Baldwin, not a great dude, right? I think most of us probably, regardless of our politics, not big Alec Baldwin guys. But I thought it was so distasteful after that horrible shooting on, on the movie that he did. And you have all these people just really taking pleasure. And it's like, what's wrong with you people? And I circled right. it back. Right. To, I Someone circled it back to died. Someone exactly. died. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and But by the same token, again, we could go on for 10 to 30 more minutes if we wanted to. A lot of this is anonymous social trolling yeah. and people would never ever act this way if you knew exactly who they were and their employment their their existence in society how they were viewed in society was on the line if you knew who they were so that's it's good on you i guess at the beginning at the premise that you stayed away from it on sage steel uh, yeah that, because, we wish her well we wish her well yeah and let me tell you man there's uh there's there's very few people who deserve to take a golf ball to the face uh, mm. maybe vladimir putin right uh you know <laughs> 
but uh, there's candidates. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that Sage has ever said that makes me want to see her harmed. And I hope that I'm in the majority on that. I believe that you are. With that said, let's get to it. Love it or leave it. By the way, because it's Memorial Day weekend, the tradition is here of the Indianapolis 500. John Lewis, love it or leave it, Indy 500 coverage. You know, uh, when... When I was in college, uh, Todd Harris just walked into a room that I was in and I didn't remember his name. And I was like, hey, <laughs> what's your name? I had to, <laughs> he, he had to tell me his name. Uh, but yeah, I, he, of course, called the Indy 500 uh, the year that it got its best numbers since the split, which was the year of Danica Patrick. Right. Uh, since the, for a lot of people, he's probably still the voice of the Indy 500 because a lot of people probably haven't watched since. Right. Uh, the reality is that I think last year did okay. Helio Castro Neves getting to win was, you know, I mean, it beat the NBA head to head, at least in the numbers that Nielsen put out. It was close enough in the head-to-head that if with the revisions, the NBA game, which was Suns-Lakers game four, might have actually come out ahead. Uh, but, you know, it, it certainly held its own with the NBA uh, last year, uh, held its own with the NBA two years ago when it was in August, and the NBA was in August too. So, you know, there's some good, there's some good stories here. The reality is open-wheel racing is dominated right now in terms of perception of success by Formula One. IndyCar is, by comparison, completely forgotten. Uh, but IndyCar's numbers are certainly comparable to F1's, but they're also on broadcast television in the afternoon. A million viewers on broadcast television in the afternoon is not as impressive as a million viewers on cable television in the morning. So F1 still gets a nod. Uh, but for the 500, they won't be facing the NBA this year. That's different than the past two years. So first time in three years, they won't be facing the NBA. There might not be an NBA game at all because uh, it would be Heat Celtics mm-hmm. game seven. So mm-hmm. there might not be any NBA at all, but even if there is, it will be in prime time. They shouldn't face any hockey. I don't believe they're going to face. Well, the only game would be uh, 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 Colorado, uh, St. Louis, and the Avalanche are up 3-1. So they probably won't face hockey. Uh, you know, The only thing they'll have to contend with really, uh, unless uh, the Heat and Celtics go seven, is what? the Coke Major Zero. League Baseball, Major League Baseball, oh, yeah. and then the NASCAR race, right. Yeah, the Pepsi 400. Uh, and, you know, the Pepsi 400, you know what was amazing last year? The Indy 500 had more viewers than the Daytona 500. I didn't realize this because, mm. for me, I have that whole idea is so foreign to me. I didn't bother to even check to see how the Indy 500 did compared to Daytona last year. If I had realized that the Indy 500 had beaten Daytona, that would have been the lead headline on my article about it. It kind of just happened, you know, by accident. I mean, obviously Indy uh, Daytona last year, the rain out terrible number, mm-hmm. but um, so th- long story short, uh, there's an opportunity for IndyCar to maybe, you know, uh, get a pretty impressive number vis-a-vis NASCAR. They're not going to catch Daytona this year, which is at 8 million. But uh, they could, uh, they could definitely put so that hurt. You will watch a little. You'll see. You'll see a little of this. You'll watch a little of it. Uh, 
I mean, I watched a little bit of it last year, and there was an NBA game on going uh, at the same time. So I'll probably still find a way to watch it. And, and I must year. confess, I mean, again, I, I I watch almost anything that's of interest and excitement, and this is one of the spectacles that's out there. And it's not unlike the Kentucky Derby for horse racing. If you're going to watch one open wheel race, it's probably this one. If you watch one NASCAR race, it's the Daytona 500. Kind of the same. Uh, along the same lines. I've been there. My wife and I got the privilege of going there right before we had twins in 2007. Speaking of Danica Patrick, she was in the field uh, with all of the men. Uh, Dario Franchitti ended up winning a rain-shortened version in 07, but Elio Castroneves was still there. The grandson of Mario Andretti, Marco Andretti, was there. And I I can only testify on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast for people that have not been. There's two things that that really – uh, strike you. The first thing is you don't realize how massive the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is. For example, the grandstand in turn one and turn two, which you will see in the race, has 100,000 seats in it. So think of the Michigan Big House. Think of the biggest football stadiums, you know, Brian Denny Stadium, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, that many people. Michigan College Football at the Big House at Michigan Stadium in Ann Arbor, uh, the Rose Bowl. All of that, John Lewis, is in turn one and turn two. There's 100,000 people there if it's full when you're coming around towards the coming around the backstretch uh, and down the straightaway. The second thing is when that roar of cars comes on the initial start and the roar of the engines, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. When they're waving the green flag and here they come, it's like a squadron of F-15 fighters from Top Gun, which, by the way, is making its uh, re-debut, the 30-year continuation of Top Gun this weekend. Again, those cars come roaring by. It is some scene at Indianapolis. So I'll partake a little bit here with the the race coming up. You got to watch the Top Gun uh, sequel. Uh, I've never seen the first one. You got to see the first one, but I'm definitely a mark for the second one. Mrs. Reeves and I will be seeing that probably this weekend because, Mm -hmm. again, it is a continuation. It's not a remake. It's 30 years later, and Tom Cruise has reprised his character, and there's a bunch of subplots in and around that. So I've not been in a movie theater since 2016. Still holding out. And you don't have to be right now. You can get them all at home. Get them all at home if you need be and save the $50 on tickets and popcorn and a drink. To that end, to that, by the way, he's saying leave it on go to the movie theater. Anything (laughs) else on that subject of Indy 500 or shall I move on to one more love it or leave it? Well, that's just going to unsolicited bring up. I have been to one sporting event since COVID. Uh, Exactly one. Because you brought up earlier, you went to the lightning game. That's right. So I went to uh, Boston University Northeastern basketball okay. in November, and that's the only sporting event I've been to. In, was that uh, before or after you went to the Cheers bar? Because you told us on the podcast you right. went to the Cheers bar. Was that before you went to the Cheers bar or after the, you went to the Cheers bar? It was after. It was after. All right, cool. So, yeah, you, that's the only one I've been to since BU Terriers, Northeastern Huskies? Do yeah, I have that correct. right? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what BU's team is called. I think but, they're uh, the Terriers. Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna send us hate uh, social media posts if they're not the Terriers. Yeah. We'll find out. We have time for one more. Of course, we have time for one more. Love it or leave it. You know, the Memorial Day weekend is known for what baseball, apple pie, hot dogs, and Chevrolet. Or at least that's the way the commercial went. Hot dogs, John Lewis. Love it or leave it. First of all, hot dog fundamentally. Love it or leave it. Yeah, sure. Why not? I, uh, you know, yeah. Mustard on a hot dog, I believe is essential. Mm -hmm. Ketchup on a hot dog. Love it or leave it. Yeah. 
I mean, there's very little you can put on a hot dog that I wouldn't be okay with. You know, you could put milk chocolate on one. What do I care? <laughs> <laughs> Onions fine. Yeah, sauerkraut. For kraut sure. is fine. Yeah. I'm not a kraut guy. Don't like it. No, Interesting though. Ca- ketchup though, I think is blasphemy. Ketchup is for a hamburger. Mm. Ketchup no, is ketchup, for French yeah. fries. You always put ketchup on it. Always. Okay. This is just where you and I differ on love it or leave it for this weekend and the hot dog and the dogs uh, that come out. Okay. We've pretty well come to the end here of the latest edition of the sports media watch.com podcast. Anything else in closing, John, before we're done on this Memorial day weekend, the next time we're talking, it will be June by the way. Well, not if we tape uh, next Tuesday, because that'd be the 31st of May. So. But yeah, but maybe we tape the 31st or maybe we may the, when the podcast is out, my point is it will be June. It will That's be a true. new month. It will be, the, it will be the month that my twins were born, which is scary that they're about to be 14. I don't want to yeah. accept that and handle that. Uh, anything else or are we good? Pretty much a full show? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, the NBA certainly wants the Mavericks to win tonight. I think a lot of NBA fans do, too, so we can get a little bit more TNT. Before we come back around, Celtics or Heat, who emerges out of the East? Do you Um, have a prognostication? Well, I mean, these two teams, every other game looks Mm -hmm. so horrible. But the reality is that the two games Miami has lost, they have looked dramatically more horrible than Boston did in the two games that they lost, right? Boston lost game one, but they were leading at the half, and ultimately it was one really bad quarter. Boston lost game three. They were down big, but you know now it's lead to one point. Uh, you know Miami, on the other hand, these have been wire-to-wire dominant victories. Game two, they, the Celtics maintained that 25-point lead at the end of the second quarter, the third, and the fourth. And then, obviously, uh, last night was appalling. Just a, a, a complete washout from start to finish. The Celtics are plainly better than the Heat, uh, you know. But that doesn't mean the Heat can't win. They've got two out of the three uh, coming games at home. And uh, the Celtics may be better than the Heat, but the Celtics, you know, allowed a hobbled Milwaukee team that didn't have its second-best player to take a 3-2 lead and, you know, force it to seven. So, you know, let's not forget the Celtics, as good as they are, they were 17 and 20 just a few months ago. And every now and again, you see shades of, you know, a team that's not ready, even though talent wise, I think they're probably better than Golden State. They did turn it on. Uh, and there have been examples. The the Toronto Raptors turned it on and ended up winning the whole thing. You turn it on at the right time, get hot with the right guys. We'll see. That one probably going seven. Miami does have the home court advantage. We'll see if it ends up being Boston again. Like I said earlier in the podcast, there's not going to be an announcement from Adam Silver and the NBA, but they want the Celtics. They yeah, want the they Boston do. thing. They'll take it if it's Miami, but let's see how that plays out. John, I always love the insight. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you again, as always, for hanging here on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast with me. I appreciate it, sir. Hey, no problem. And we thank you for being with us again. However you found us, John's site, SportsMediaWatch.com, social media link, or if you follow or subscribe, stay with us here on the feed. More big news coming up on SportsMediaWatch.com, the podcast on the podcast feed. For now, we're good. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Everybody be safe if you're traveling, if you're going and you're doing stuff. We look forward to being with you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 